Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen we've got you covered multiple ways Alrighty, today is a big old Wednesday we are continuing on with our draft grades breaking it down by division by team um, we've done the AFC East the AFC North and today we are going to be doing the AFC South so Titans Colts Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans. Will any of these teams get that coveted A, A plus? We already gave out an A plus to the Jets, and I think we just gave out an A plus to the Steelers. Let me double check on that. Was it A or A plus? I know the Jets are definitely A plus, and the Steelers we gave them a A. So already two A's. We'll see. Um, you know, once we're done with you know all the, the all the all the all of the teams, we can kind of compare and you know you know officially crown the winner of the draft. But so far, Jets with a A plus, best uh, best draft that we've seen so far. So we'll see if the Titans, Colts, Houston Texans, and Jacksonville Jaguars can potentially score that other A plus. Uh, we'll be breaking down the NBA today. As always, doing our moneymaker for tonight's action and uh, talking about the stories of the of the day. So let's jump right into it here. Alrighty, some unfortunate news here to start off. Uh, Broncos offensive tackle Juwan James suffered a season-ending torn Achilles working out today away from the team's facility. So not great there. James's ten million dollar sa- salary is now um, in jeopardy. Because Denver no longer is obligated to pay him with him working out offsite. So truly unfortunate here. We've been hearing, you know, teams opting out of the kind of voluntary in-person workouts. And this is a potential risk. I mean, working out, getting injured on not the kind of teams, the company's property. Now they you know, that's contracts void now. You you know, that's unfortunate. You got injured on your own on your own time. Unfortunate. So now we don't really have to pay you. So so we'll see what happens here if the Broncos do end up paying them. I mean, they could still pay them. I mean, it's tr- it's going to be totally up to the Denver Broncos. So if they want to kind of keep them, if they think that he's worth keeping, maybe next season once he gets over this injury, they would probably pay him just to kind of be the good guys out here. But truly unfortunate here, there's always risk in every single decision and you know, we talk about it, you know, everybody talks about, you know, sports and, you know, you know, players getting injured, but these are the real ramifications. We're talking about $10 million that this man could be losing out on just because unfortunately he got injured off of, you know, team property. So got to keep everything in mind here. Truly unfortunate here for the Broncos. I mean, losing a player, I mean, any, any time during the off season is never good, whether it's with the team away from the team. Um, it's just truly unfortunate. This Broncos team, a little bit of a, uh, you know, a bright light coming into the season you know having Drew Locke having Teddy Bridgewater gonna have a great quarterback competition already have really the infrastructure just need that kind of quarterback to just be decent to start winning a lot more games than what they did last season so gonna hurt their offensive line a little bit Melvin Gordon you know running running the ball now is gonna have to do a little bit more because his offensive line isn't gonna be a hundred percent healthy if only the Denver Broncos had two good running backs to work with darn it you know Oh, Philip Lindsay gone now. 
Uh, so unfortunate here for Juwan James. Definitely wish him a speedy recovery, but he's going to be out for the rest of the season, folks. Unfortunate. Alrighty, and now new players going to new teams. Casey Hayward signing with the Raiders. Was a Charger. Good, solid cornerback. Now going to shore up that Raiders team. And this Raiders team def desperately needs a winning season because we're going into year three with John Gruden. Year four with John Gruden there with the Raiders? Um, Let me see. Is it three or four? I think it's – it might be four. Um, Let's get this up. Here we go. John Gruden going into his fourth year with the Raiders, and he went nine and he went. Uh, what do we got? Four and twelve his first season, seven and nine his second season, eight and eight his third season. So no real winning seasons. I guess he is getting better every single season. First year four wins, second year seven wins, third year eight wins. So they're showing up their defense a little bit more. We need John Gruden to really start proving that he can coach in this league, folks. He on, he's on this ten year hundred million dollar deal here with the Raiders and has brought them kind of mediocre seasons so far. So now this is the next step that the Raiders have to take. They're trying to shore up their defense, bringing in a solid cornerback here. And like we said, we've been talking about, you know, coaching narratives coming into the season. Yeah, we could talk about the players, Tom Brady trying to repeat, Patrick Mahomes trying to, you know, get back to greatness, Lamar Jackson trying to kind of experience what Lamar Jackson or what Patrick Mahomes has been experiencing for these last, you know, four years. But we've also got these head coaches, folks. We've got Matt Rule trading in Teddy Bridgewater for Sam Darnold. We got Robert Sala, first-time head coach. We got Dan Campbell, first-time head coach. We've got John Gruden, four years in now, has to make something happen. So watch out for these coaches this year. Mike McCarthy, how is he going to be able to kind of turn around the, the Cowboys season this year? So, yeah, we could talk about the players all day. But these coaches, folks, you know, they're a huge part of success in this league. Just look at Billy B, folks. Got to have at least least a good competent head coach to go back to back look at Bruce Arians folks I don't know if you know if you plug any other coach besides you know the great ones you know Bill Belichick maybe Andy Reid if you plug in any other coach there to that Bucks team I'm not 100% certain that Tom Brady wins the ring year one folks truly so gotta watch out for these coaches this year as well as the players and we're going to be keeping an eye on these Raiders this year with John Gruden Alrighty, and then another kind of another coach, another team to play very close attention to coming up to this season. The Bears, they just got uh, Demai Bird from the Patriots. They're signing him to a one-year deal, wide receiver. But uh, nothing big from Demir, uh, Demir Bird here. I mean, he's like 5'9", folks. He's just truly nothing great. I think his best season was like 600 yards last year with the Patriots and Cam Newton just because they have no good wide receivers. So the Bears, yes, they got, you know, Justin Fields, their good franchise quarterback that they are going to believe in, but what's their wide receivers looking like? Yeah, we know they got Allen Robinson, and we love what Allen Robinson did. I mean, if he made Mitch Trubisky look good, I mean, Justin Fields is going to be looking like Tom Brady out here, honestly, with this Bears team, but besides Allen Robinson, they've really got nothing. They've got nothing. They got Dar Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller. I mean, folks, these wide receivers are like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, uh, Allen Robinson is their only good, tall wide receiver receiver is like 6-2 then they get Demir Bird like we just said bringing in another wide receiver but is he even gonna help because he's like 5-9 and never he, he's not established in this league he doesn't know what winning is or you know being consistent or anything like that so this Bears team yes they've got 
their kind of, you know, franchise quarterback, but he's going to be struggling with these weapons, folks. No real great weapons. So they're going to see if they can kind of maybe translate Demir Bird to a good wide receiver, but it's definitely going to be, you know, a lot of pressure on Matt Nagy to kind of make all these kind of role players play well together because we know that this man definitely needs success this season. Alrighty, now let's move on to this one. And Jimmy G being a good guy out here, I kind of like it. Jimmy Garoppolo said he's ready to help the 49ers rookie quarterback Trey Lance. Alrighty, so let's dive into this article, see if there's any good quotes here by Jimmy G. We know, you know, he's getting a little disrespected, just a little bit. And we know, you know, the NFL's a business and they don't owe anybody anything. I get all that, folks. Uh, but, you know just unfortunate Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy and they're kind of, you know, tossing him to the curb. I mean, the words that, you know, Kyle Shanahan has kind of used in the media of calling, you know, coming into this draft saying that they want to get their starting quarterback. That's a subtle dig right there, but you have to look into those words. So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo can, you know, have a sour taste in his mouth 100% and I don't think anybody would really blame him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has a bad taste in his mouth and everybody's praising him and, you know, encouraging him to keep going further and further and further with his actions. Don't play. Call out the organization. Do this. Host Jeopardy. Uh, retire if you need to. All that. Where Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he's kind of, you know, praising, you know, the quarterback. You know, praising his backup. Motivating him. So let's see what he's talking about here in these quotes. Alrighty, so appearing on J Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin show on ESPN Radio, Garoppolo spoke publicly for the first time since the 49ers traded up to number three in the NFL draft and used that selection on Trey Lance. So here we go, quote, It's kind of coming full circle, Garoppolo said. You go through this NFL career, you start as a young guy coming in, Tom Brady kind of showed me the ropes, the competition between us was awesome, it really made me grow as a rookie and as a young player. So that's... The con so that's kind of what me and Trey will mold our relationship into, but it will happen naturally. It's one of those things you can't force anything. Just let it come as it may. And yeah, I mean, you know, he's got experience with this. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, playing behind Tom Brady, kind of, you know, smallly being promised, you know, hey, you're the future. After he's gone, Jimmy G, you're the guy. So compete, learn from this man, try to get that starting position as fast as you think that you can because once you're ready to go, Tom's aging out and we're ready to move off of him. So, you know, Jimmy G has this kind of side. He's like, all right, I've been kind of the number two quarterback on a team. I know how that feels. I know how I felt during that. And um, I saw kind of how others treated me. And I'm bringing that same energy here to the 49ers because it helps me out in my career. And Jimmy Garoppolo, what I love about him so far is that, you know, he's like, you know what? Well, what, just kind of what, you know, he's putting out there um, in the, publicly in the media is just, you know what? I, I kind of, you know, this kind of, you know, happened, you know, just kind of by a freak nature. It's not like I wasn't playing well or anything like that. It's just I couldn't stay healthy, just some freak accidents on the field. So it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo isn't really taking any of this kind of criticism or the the replacement at the quarterback position really too um, too close to heart, which is obviously a good thing to see. But let's see if we get any more quotes here. Alrighty, uh, those memories still linger for Garoppolo, who texted Trey Lance soon after the Niners drafted him, and we get a quote here, I try to use my own personal experience in just what I went through, what helped me, what challenged me as a young player, 
I'm going to use those tools that helped me and try to help Trey out as well. It's hard to come into this league. I know how it is coming from an FCS school to the NFL. It's a bit of an adjustment, the speed, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's just different. So whatever I can do to help him, I'll be more than happy. So once again, good guy Garoppolo here, knowing that he's potentially helping his future replacement. But he's like, hey, you know, I've been here before. I've been all this and I'm going to be the best quarterback possible still while you know making showing this guy the ropes and you know showing him how to win and you know being being successful how to be successful in this league so absolutely uh, fantastic here for Jimmy Garoppolo here and if we just kind of bring it back to Aaron Rodgers I mean Aaron Rodgers had the same experience you know was brought in under Brett Favre uh, you know, had to sit for like three or four seasons while Brett Favre was ending his career. Then he finally got the nod. But Brett Favre never really kind of coached or really even liked Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre was like, this is my replacement? Yeah, I'm not talking to this kid. Why would I kind of coach up my own replacement? You, What, what sense does that make? So, you know, Aaron Rodgers saw the bad side. And then when they brought in Jordan Love, he said he was going to be the good side and be like, oh, I'm going to coach up coach up the, uh, the backup, the rookie, all of this. But I don't really think that really happened that much. And now we get you know, Aaron Rodgers going crazy on the organization saying that they're all trash and that he's not going to play anymore. All right, but there's one uh, one more thing in this article that we got to get out to. So, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo's good with Trey Lance. You know, he's got no beef with Trey Lance. But does he have beef with Kyle Shanahan, who is, you know, actively going out and finding Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement and coming out in these pre-draft press conferences saying that they want a starting quarterback? So let's see what uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's got to say about Kyle Shanahan and the communication. So here we go. Shanahan, this isn't the, the quote, but we're leading up to the quote right here. Shanahan made it clear that there was no timetable or definitive plan for Lance to take the starting job and that he expected Garoppolo, who was slated to count $26 million against the 2021 salary cap, to remain with the team and continue as a starter. This is what Jimmy G says, quote, I want, or no, this is, who's saying this? All right, this is Kyle Shanahan, then and then we'll get to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I want Jimmy to be here, and I want this kid brought along, Shanahan said. I want to see how Lance does, and if it turns into a competition, it turns into a competition. I'd be excited about that if he showed he was ready for it and stuff, but we know where Jimmy's at. Lance hasn't played football in a year, right? Uh, He hasn't been to an OTA. I love to get him here. I love... It'd be very hard for me to picture a situation where Jimmy's not here on Sunday because that would be, I think, very stressful for us because Jimmy's a very good player, and I think that we can win with him. So we'll play that by ear, but I expect Jimmy to be here, and I'd be surprised if he wasn't. And then Jimmy kind of you know, responds to that. Um, the chip will always be there. That hasn't gone away at all since I got into the league. I've had that. I think that kind of comes from just the way you were raised and everything like that. My dad was an electrician, blue-collar guy, and I think it kind of just rubs off on you. It's kind of the way the league is going nowadays. Everybody is drafting young, wants to get 
the development development guys and things like that. So I kind of know what it is. I've been on both sides of it now, but at the end of the day, like I said earlier, all you can really ask for is the opportunity. Once you get that, you've got to go and take advantage of it. So Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of taking this all very well. It's great. It's great to see. It's great to hear that he's not kind of taking it too personally. He still knows, hey, I'm still kind of the starter here. Trey Lance hasn't played in a year. He's coming from the FC, FCS to the NFL. Different game. Even Jimmy Garoppolo said, hey, this is a little bit different here of the quote that we just read. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo still has the faith of Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, saying that Kyle Shanahan just said that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a very good football player. He can win. He can help us win. So it's just kind of seeming like the 49ers just drafted Trey Lance as a little bit of an insurance policy if Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured again. So we're starting we're starting to see this kind of quarterback picture here with the 49ers a little bit clear here. It's seeming like Jimmy Garoppolo is right now the starter. I don't think anybody's doubting that. Right now at this moment, Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter, but we have to see what Trey Lance is going to do at the OTAs and the mini camps and all that, preseason all that. But Trey Lance is definitely going to have to go out and win the starting job, showing that he can kind of get it done, win games, play well throughout an entire game, back-to-back games, three games in a row, four games in a row. So Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter here, and I think he'll be the starter all season unless he gets injured um, and or unless, you know, he starts the season like 0-8, and, and then at that point the season's over and you might as well just put Trey Lance out there. So Jimmy G taking it, being a real great guy out here. Love to see it. Alrighty, let's move on to this with the Panthers. Matt Rule's confidence in Sam Darnold led the Panthers to passing on a quarterback at number eight. Quote, now we just have to make sure Sam's a great player for us. So, like we've been saying, this co- these head coaching narratives, Matt Rule got rid of Teddy Bridgewater, who kind of proved himself to be a good quarterback with the Panthers, just couldn't be clutch, kept the, all the games close, made those two wide receivers that they had 1,000 yard wide receivers didn't have the running back didn't have Christian McCaffrey but he goes and gets uh, Sam Darnold instead so let's see what Matt Rule is saying here in the mind of second season head coach Matt Rule it wasn't because he doesn't see bright futures with in the quarterbacks who were available in the draft it's that he's confident in where Darnold can take this team quote I love those guys and I think they're all going to be great NFL players talking about the quarterbacks in the draft class I just think for us when we got Sam knowing he's 23 years old just turned 24 we just felt like Sam plus another player would be better for the team overall We're just trying to build the whole team, and I just believe in Sam. I believe that he deserves the opportunity to go out and play with us. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater kind of deserved the opportunity to, you know, play two years with a new head coach in this league. But, all right, Matt Rule doesn't see that. Um, I think those other young quarterbacks are going to be fantastic players, but the hit rate on first-round quarterbacks isn't real, real high. And to have a chance to get J.C. Horn and have Sam Darnold, we just kind of felt like, hey, this is two for one. Now we just have to make sure Sam's a great player for us. So got to see what uh, Sam Darnold can do this season. Haven't really seen him be that great with the Jets just because the Jets were an absolute garbage organization with Todd Bowles as a head coach and uh, Adam Gase as a head coach. Two real big swings and misses at the head coach position. 
We know Todd Bowles was a fantastic defensive coordinator, but not a head coach, especially with that Jets team. But, um, yeah, Sam Darnold hasn't really been in a winning culture, a winning organization, so we'll see if he's able to kind of play at that kind of high level needed to produce wins out in the field. But uh, Matt Rule is feeling confident with uh, Sam Darnold, but let's see what he says on this last quote right here. Uh, Rule likes what he's seen enough from Darnold for rebuilding the Panthers to trade for him. Quote, I can't remember what we were watching a cut of and Sam was playing on the other side of the ball and a couple of times he made some throws and Phil Snow, our defensive coordinator, was like, man, that kid looks like Matt Stafford. And so we put a couple of games on. This is the defensive staff and they're all like, you know what? Every game we watch, he makes a couple of big time plays and there has to be some meat on the bone there, Rule said. So kind of went through the process and kept watching him and going back and watching him in college and watching his pro day and then going back and watching his first year in a different offense in the second year and third year. So when the comparison was enough where we didn't have to give up what we thought was too much that would hurt our team and a chance to get him here. We'd watch so much tape on him that we saw enough shining moments. So Sam Darnold impressing Matt Rule, impressing you know Matt Rule's defense that he put together here in Carolina. So he's given Sam Darnold a chance here. We'll see how Sam Darnold plays this year. Teddy Bridgewater still has a chance to play with the Broncos. Maybe try to prove Matt Rule a little wrong here. That chip on his shoulder. I mean, we hear you know players having chip on their shoulders every single season. I mean every. I mean you can't go a season without saying you know what this I'm playing so well this year because I got a chip on my shoulder. They didn't draft me number four and I got you know I didn't even go to the second round. Um, you know, I got traded away from this team to this team and now I've got something to prove. So we'll see what happens here. We'll see if Matt Rule made the real clear choice. Watch what the coaches are doing this year, folks. There's a lot of great narratives surrounding head coaches this year. And if we want to go to this one, let's go to this one. Talking about good decisions and bad decisions made by head coaches. We well, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars draft today on the show. But we kind of like what Urban Meyer has been doing so far with this Jaguars team. But, but we're getting into the first real issue we're having with Urban Meyer. And that's that Urban Meyer really believes Tim Tebow can help the Jaguars at a, as a tight end. No, no, he cannot. No, he cannot. What the hell is going on? Why is everybody wanting Tim Tebow all of a sudden? Where did this narrative come from? I absolutely hate it. I know that they were in Florida together as the head coach and the quarterback. I get that. But this man was a quarterback in this league and hasn't played since 2012, folks. He is nine years removed from the league and thinks that he can kind of come in and be a tight end, one of the most physical positions that there are in the game of football. And plus, and plus, Tim Tebow is 6-2. What are you doing as a 6-2 tight end in this league? Nothing. Do you see what Darren Waller is doing at 6-6? He's sprinting as fast as Tyreek Hill and is catching as as great as DeAndre Hopkins. Do you see what Travis Kelsey is doing at the tight end position at 6-5? Winning Super Bowls, getting production in the Super Bowl. Do you see what Gronk is doing at 6-5? He's recovering from back surgeries and still playing at a high level. Tim Tebow is 
10 years removed from this league at a quarterback position. He's got no idea what it means to be a tight end in today's NFL. Did you just see the number four overall pick in this year's draft? Kyle Pitts. Do you think when you look at those two players, Tim Tebow and Kyle Pitts, and tell me if there's any drastic differences between those two players? Because I guarantee you there's one million percent difference between Tim Tebow and Kyle Pitts out here. Kyle Pitts, once again, a fantastic uh, catching tight end in college will definitely work in this league because we've seen what Darren Waller can do and Kyle Pitts is maybe even better than Darren Waller. We'll have to see, but he's at least as good as Darren Waller is. So, no, Tim Tebow will not help the Jaguars at the tight end position or at all. He's not a leader. I mean, Tim Tebow couldn't even make it as a quarterback in this league. Yes, he won a playoff game flukily, a wild blown coverage assignment defensively that made them beat the Steelers in the freaking uh, in the first round of the playoffs for one year. That's it. And then he couldn't make it work anywhere else. And then he tried to go play baseball. That didn't work. And now he tried to go on ESPN and be a commentator. That didn't work. And now he wants to be a freaking tight end in this league. Nine years removed from the sport. Please save us. Spare us. We don't want to see Tim Tebow anymore. I don't want to see Tim Tebow anymore. I've lost all respect for him ever since he went on ESPN and said that college football players don't deserve to get played to get paid after this man was having every single silver spoon in his mouth, never worried about money in his entire life, but he's got, you know, financial advice for all these other people in college. So what the hell is that about? So I've got no respect for this man. I'm over, you know, these, uh, these, you know, these players that think that they can kind of, you know, take years off. I mean, Jason Wayne, did you see what he did? I mean, he took a year off to kind of go and be in the broadcast booth. That didn't work out. That was absolutely not good at all. And I don't want to knock Jason Witten, but you're a great football player. You really aren't great at two things as good at at two things equally. And uh, commentating definitely did not work out. So he came back to the NFL. And what happened? He was looking like a shell of himself. He was not getting it done. He was looking slow. He was looking weak. It wasn't really doing anything, really helping the team in any way. And he couldn't make it. So you think Tim Tebow not not playing for nine years where Jason Witten spent his entire career being a tight end, took one season off, and I know he was aging out of this league, but Tim Tebow already aged out of the league. So what are we talking about here? Jason Witten couldn't make it one year removed from the NFL, trying to get back to a, being a great tight end in this league, but Tim Tebow, nine years removed, hasn't played football, went to baseball, went to baseball, being a college analyst for ESPN, I mean, folks, uh, please, please, if, if honestly, if Urban Meyer goes out and gets Tebow, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be rooting for Urban Meyer anymore. I think that's a absolutely garbage move to do. It makes absolutely no sense. If you want to bring him in to kind of be a veteran piece, but nobody's going to respect Tim Tebow. Who respects Tim Tebow? I don't think anybody does. If you brought in this guy to my locker room and I was a young player in this league, I'd be like, why the hell is this guy here? What the hell? What is he going to bring to us? He hasn't been in this league for nine years. Because he was a quarterback? Mediocre? Mediocre one fluke playoff win and you think he's good? Come on. Bill Belichick couldn't even do anything with this man. He was that bad. <sighs> so, 
Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer, please, Urban Meyer, do not do this. You had a good draft. Uh, we're going to praise you in a second, but please do not do this. Please do not go and get Tim Tebow. Really believes Tim Tebow can help the Jaguars at a... Oh, my goodness. As a tight end, the man is 6'2". The man is 6'2". What's it? 6'2", uh, two, 230. Come on, man. Come on, man. No. George Kittle destroys them. Travis Kelsey destroys them. Ron Gronkowski destroys them. Aaron Hernandez destroys them, folks. And we don't even have to go into all that, but... um, So... Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I cannot believe If Tebow's back in this league, I don't even know what to say anymore I don't even know what to say If, you know, Urban, if, if Tebow gets brought in this, in, back into this league But um, he's lucky Teddy Bridgewater got a second chance somewhere in Denver Because I cannot live in a world where Tebow's on a roster And Teddy Bridgewater is not I, I would not believe, be able to live in this, war, in this world um, So, we'll see But Urban Meyer, please do not do this Please do not do this Alrighty, let's go to some good news here. Justin Fields getting back in the weight room, getting it done. Yes, sir. Look at that nice sprint there. Great dual threat quarterback coming into Chicago, going to be the starter, going to be the face of the franchise, and just hopefully he can get it done with Matt Nagy. We need to see instant success. I mean, I think this draft class is absolutely not great at the quarterback position. I think Trevor Lawrence will be great just because, I mean, he had three good years at Clemson. Um, Justin Fields has the best, uh, has the second highest chance to be a great player in this league. Trey Lance is not going to be good. Mac Jones is not going to be good. It's really either going to be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. One of those two quarterbacks will have a great career in this league, but those other three are not folks. So hopefully it's Justin Fields and we'll see what Matt Nagy can do with it. But here he is in the gym, getting right, getting into NFL shape, trying to be the guy here. And I'm all about it. So we're Definitely wishing Justin Fields a lot of success and a lot of uh, um, early success there with the Bears. Alrighty, yesterday on the show, um, we heard, you know, Jeremiah Usukormo, why he fell in the draft was because, you know, some teams kind of saw some uh, heart issues with this man that kind of scared him away. But now we get that, you know, Jeremiah Usukormo kind of comes out and says, I never really had any heart issues. So now what the hell is going on with this? Who's right? So when we go in the article right here. We just get a quote here that's really kind of ambiguous. We really don't know what the hell he's trying to say here. But this is what the uh, uh, Koromoa says here. Quote, you got news. You got a lot of news within the draft and the process you're going through. There was something that came up in terms of what guys were saying. But in terms of me, in terms of the personal aspect, there were no really heart issues at all. There was nothing that was too ticked off. And we went back to Notre Dame and looked at the medical records and everything. I never really had any heart issues or anything going on there. You know, you hear a lot of things, but you've got to get it from the source. So he's saying that he never really had any heart issues, but these teams saying that they were, but then the Browns said that he didn't really have anything. Um, Jeremiah Usukormo's comments echoed uh, that of the Browns general manager, Andrew Barry, who earlier in the day dismissed the heart concerns, telling uh, 92.3 the fan in Cleveland that the linebacker is, quote, completely healthy. There's really nothing in his background that, was that would suggest he can't have a nice 
long career. So really kind of weird right here with all these kind of, you know, draft or uh, with all these kind of front office uh, organization saying that he has heart issues, Cormeau saying that he didn't, and that the Browns saying that there's really nothing to suggest that he's not going to have a long career. So, who knows, but anyway... At the end of the day, it's an absolute steal here for the Browns getting an absolutely great linebacker in the second round. He's going to be a star. We're big on Kormoa, um, so we'll see how he does. But this heart issue, is it real? Is it not? It seems like it's not really that real. So. <clears throat> Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. Teddy Bridgewater's revised contract now that he's with the Broncos. He gets a $7 million signing bonus that's paid by the Panthers, so the Broncos don't even have to pay that $7 million. Fantastic. Then he's got the $4 million salary from the Broncos. $3 million of it is fully guaranteed, so he's getting that nice $10 million this season. Fantastic. Hopefully he can win the starting job. And he's got $187,000 in per game active bonuses, so the man's going to be cashing out all season long hopefully he's the starter but the good thing is that it's only a one-year deal here for Teddy Bridgewater in Denver in 2022 Teddy Bridgewater can be a free agent so if it doesn't work out here for the Broncos he's going to have another opportunity to potentially go somewhere else and try it again so I think he can kind of beat out Drew Locke here for the starting quarterback uh, position here in Denver and if he does he's going to get probably signed with the Denver Broncos for a longer contract and if for some reason they still stick with Drew Locke maybe because he's been there for the last two seasons and maybe they're looking kind of um kind of close in comparison so they just kind of go with the veteran he's going to have another chance somewhere so I'm hoping Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have to kind of take that third chance in 2020 being a free agent but uh, we'll see how he plays here in Denver has the infrastructure has the running game he's got Melvin Gordon he's got Jerry Judy a good wide receiver he's got Noah Fant he's got that uh, Tim Patrick he's like 6'3 so we saw what Teddy Bridgewater did with the receivers there in Carolina I've got you know no no issues. There's no really concerns that Teddy Bridgewater can't make these better wide receivers even better than what they were last season. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater and Jerry Judy, oh boy, now we are cooking with that quarterback and wide receiver wombo combo. I'm all about it, but uh, we got to see what happens in the kind of training camp and all that, but uh, I'm expecting Teddy Bridgewater to win the starting job, and it's great because the Broncos didn't draft a quarterback, so it's either going to be Teddy B or Drew Locke. And come on, folks, Drew Locke threw, you know, 52% completion percentage last year. Absolutely garbage. So I'm a rock with Teddy Bridgewater on this competition, folks. Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott on injury on injury recovery. I could play a game right now. Yes, sir. Coming off that ankle fracture. Definitely kind of need. I mean, this Cowboys team needs Dak Prescott, folks. We saw how bad they floundered with every single position. Andy Dalton, the running game, the wide receivers, the coaching staff, the defense of the Cowboys. Everything was absolutely atrocious as soon as Dak Prescott uh, got injured last season so he's the lifeblood of this team he's a true uh, leader um, and we're looking for him to get it right done week one here for the Cowboys he's ready to rock gonna kind of shore up his kind of you know rehab process his injury process for the remainder of this offseason but this man's going to be ready to rock week one ready to sling it around and compete in the NFC East that's really tight right now you got Ron Rivera in Washington you got Daniel Jones in year three there with the Giants that got an absolutely stacked stacked offensive roster 
roster now. So, you know, Dak Prescott, you better be ready, man. You've got to get it done here for the Cowboys. Your roster, your at least offensive roster is too good to not have success in this league. But we believe in Dak Prescott. So we've got no uh, issues here. This NFC East is going to be a real great showdown. We get Dak Prescott coming off the injury. We get Jalen Hurts' his first year starting. We get Danny Dimes back with Saquon Barkley. Yes, sir. With Kenny Galladay. Yes, sir. Even more. And then we get Ron Rivera. You know, probably the worst roster in the NFC East. But Ron Rivera's like, hey, I just won I, I won the division last year, first year here. I'm going to do the same thing. I got Taylor Heineke. I don't need Dak Prescott. I don't need Saquon Barkley. I don't need whatever the Eagles got going on over there. I got my guys. Yeah, they're not the big A1 tier 1 wide receivers, but I can coach. And that's all you need in this league. Coachability. And Ron Rivera's got the best of it. He can get the best out of his players whenever he needed, whenever he needs it. That's why they got to the uh, playoffs. That's why they were only one possession away from upsetting the Bucks and Tom Brady in the playoffs. So, going to be an absolute bloodbath, a slugfest in the NFC East. And I'm all about it, folks. We'll see what Dak Prescott can do, though. Alrighty, well, we can't go a day without talking Aaron Rodgers, so here we go, folks, always making the headlines, I am sick of it, I am sick of Aaron Rodgers, if I was the uh, Packers organization, I would be like, you know what, you're out of here, you're out of here, I'm over all this nonsense, bringing a bad kind of look to our name, and hey, we can tolerate it for so much, maybe one instance, two instances, but you know, it, it's just way more hassle than he's worth, honestly, he's at the back end of his career, still can't beat Tom Brady, still can't win the NFC Championship games, even, you know, going 13-3 and and having absolutely stacked offensive weapons, but he needs more. The greatest quarterback of all time needs more. Womp. But here we go. Aaron Rodgers reportedly mocked the Packers general manager, Brian Gutenskunst. I don't know how to pronounce that man's last name. But uh, the Packers general manager, in a team group chat by calling him Jerry Krause. And if you know that name from the kind of the Bulls history, or if you just watched the the last dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, uh, Jerry Krause was kind of, you know, rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. He kind of broke up that Bulls team after that first repeat, and everybody kind of resented him for it. But at the end of the day, he won six championships as the general manager for the Bulls. So what is this insult that Aaron Rodgers is even saying here that he's calling, you know, Brian Gutentunsk, uh Jerry Krause. All right, well, Jerry Krause was a winner. So, yeah, you know, his personality was abrasive. Yes, he rubbed people the wrong way. Yes, he kind of blew up an organization, but he still won six rings. Aaron Rodgers, you can't even get to six Super Bowls. You've only gotten to one, and you lose every single NFC championship game. So I'm so over Aaron Rodgers, folks. Once again, kind of, there's got to be some point here where this front office of the Packers are just like, all right, enough is enough. You know, now you're starting to turn the entire team against us, and we can't have that. We got to just cut off the bad piece of the arm before it starts affecting, you know, the rest of the body. Body, folks. And honestly, if I was the front office here for the Packers, I would honestly, honestly, I would trade Aaron Rodgers to the Lions straight up, just straight up for Jared Goff. No picks, no other players, nothing of the sorts. It's just straight up 
trade for Aaron Rodgers to Jared Goff for two reasons I do that. First of all, it sends Aaron Rodgers to the worst team in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. Good luck with Dan Campbell as a head coach. You want to kind of disrespect our general manager, our front office, our head coach? Alrighty, then go play with Dan Campbell in that organization that hired Matt Patricia and Dan Campbell back-to-back. -back. Because if you're saying our organization is so trash, well, we're going to actually send you to an actual trash organization in Detroit. Have fun there. Good luck going 13-3. and Good luck winning an NFC Championship game with the Lions. Good luck. We wish you good luck. We honestly wish you the best of luck, Aaron. Please have success there with Detroit. So that's the first reason I send him there. And then for the second reason, if he wants to go all these kind of mental games of trying to kind of be the bigger brain and trying to get in all these subtle digs on Jeopardy, having these group chats calling our general manager Jerry Krause, I, I trade him straight up for Jared Goff just as a little bit of a mental game for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, we don't think you're even better than Jared Goff, and Jared Goff just got thrown away by that Rams organization. So I want that left in Aaron Rodgers' head. That's why we don't want any other picks. That's why we don't want any other compensation. Yes, we know Aaron Rodgers is better than Jared Goff. I mean, absolutely. But I want that in Aaron Rodgers' head. The last thing he knows from our organization that we think that we can win. And could you imagine if they won with Jared Goff year one like the Bucks did year one with Tom Brady? Just that mental game. Fuck you, Aaron Rodgers. You want to talk all this trash. You want to get out of here. That's fine. But we're taking Jared Goff because we believe in Jared Goff. We think he's better than you. We're going to trade you straight up for him. And good luck in Detroit. You're going to definitely need it. I'm over Aaron Rodgers, folks. One thousand percent. If you want to have all this big personality in this kind of, you know, God complex that's bigger than any other athlete I think I've seen ever then go ahead. Then go ahead and leave and good luck uh, somewhere else because we've given you all the pieces. What more do you need? Tom Brady doesn't cry for pieces every single season. He kind of does, but he's able to because he wins every single year. Aaron Rodgers has one ring, y'all. One ring. That's that's good. Yes, that's good. You've won a championship. Absolutely. But when we're comparing it to the greatest of all time, I mean, folks, how many times do we have to bring up that he went head-to-head -head with Tom Brady the first year in the NFC that Tom Brady came over, and he lost, and Tom Brady threw three picks, and Aaron Rodgers still couldn't get it done. 1,000% over Aaron Rodgers. Trade him to the Lions. Sayonara. Good luck. Bye-bye, Aaron Rodgers. We're out of here. We're done with you. Stop ruining our organization because you think you deserve something. I don't even know what. Come out and publicly tell us what you respect, what you want. Do you want more respect? Do you want more weapons? What is it, Aaron? Give us a firm answer. Don't go on Jeopardy and, you know, show the final answer in, of a dig of why your head coach kicked a field goal. Uh, stop with all that nonsense. Sense. Go retire. Go somewhere else. We don't want you anymore. Goodbye. Over this man. Truly, every day we're getting something with this dude. Win. Can you win? You're not even winning, dude. You're not even winning. How are you going 13-3 back-to-back years but can't even win, beat the last game to get to the Super Bowl? How do you lose to literally your biggest rival ever the first year you're in the same division and you were at home? This man, y'all, this man's got some great fans because everybody defends him instantly. He's just like Kyrie Irving. We compare him a lot. But, man, oh, man, it's enough is enough with this man. I would get I would get rid of him if I, I would honestly if, I, I'm telling you honestly folks if I was in the position that the Packers general manager is in right now, I'm trading this man to the line straight up for Jared Goff. That is it. 
Uh, so that's the Aaron Rodgers news that we have for today, folks. Just truly annoying this man is. I can't believe it, folks. I can't believe it. Um, well, I guess I can't believe it because, I mean, this man can't even get along with his own family, folks. Truly, he's got family issues. I don't know what they are, so I'm going to try to figure out real quick. But there's all these rumors that Aaron Rodgers doesn't even get along with his own family, folks. So now we have to start looking at the actual person. This man is, uh, do I call him a psychopath, a sociopath? He could be. Um, so let me get this up real quick. I wasn't planning on getting this up on the show, but <clears throat> since we just brought it up, why not? Uh, family issues. Um, uh, what do we got? Anything good? Uh, why doesn't Aaron Rodgers talk to his family? That's an article, folks. That's their relationship is complicated. Will we get anything here? I can go through this very quickly. Um, let's see. Let's see. It all started with an interview Aaron did with his ex-girlfriend, Danica Patrick. Yeah, remember he dated that girl, uh, Danica Patrick, like the first female NASCAR driver. Um, alrighty, so uh, an interview with Aaron Rodgers with his ex-girlfriend Danica Patrick for her podcast, Pretty Insane. Um, alrighty, Aaron's feelings about organized religion were loud and clear. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet in a fiery hell. I mean, he's not wrong, but it's not something a lot of people say publicly. Um, what type of loving, sensitive omnipresent omnipotent being wants to condemn him his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of this all at the end of all this so once again just kind of his god complex he you know his thinking is the only good thinking i'm you know actually thinking about these issues look at how big my brain is uh, folks i'm using omnipresent i'm using um omnipotent you know i've got a big brain iq i'm hosting jeopardy look at me look how smart i am um, anything else here? Aaron's relationship with his family is complicated. Here's the thing, though. The relationship strain between Aaron and his family isn't anything new. Actress Olivia Munn, who previously dated the football star, this man's dating Olivia Munn, um, Danica Patrick, shared that Aaron hadn't spoken to his family for eight months when they began the relationship in 2014. Because of Olivia's encouragement... Encouragement, however, it seems there was an attempted there was an attempt at reconciliation. Quote, they had a really nice conversation, then they started coming out my then they started coming out my first year when I was in Green Bay in twenty fourteen. I just think I, it was really important to try and mend things and a family, and I encourage that. Alright, well what's the issues? What are the issues? We want to know the issues. Um alrighty. Although she didn't come out right and say it, Olivia hinted that members of Aaron's family may have been taking advantage of Aaron's success in order to further their own careers. All right, well, that's definitely, uh, you know, annoying, and Aaron Rodgers has definitely, um, definitely, you know, has the right to be upset with that, you know, of your family kind of mooching off of you a little bit. So we can understand that. Is that all it is? Aaron's brother, Jordan, appeared on The Bachelorette. During JoJo Fletcher's 2016 season and ahead of JoJo meeting the Rodgers family during the hometown date episode, Jordan explained why the Green Bay Packers quarterback wouldn't appear on camera. Quote, it's just the way he's chosen to do life, Jordan said at the time. I chose to stay close with my family and my parents and my brother. 
He continued, quote, it's something we don't really like talking about a whole lot. It pains both of us like not to have that relationship like we miss our brother. You know, we just I I just I trust in that like God brings things full circle. All righty. Well, the family talking about God's bringing everything full circle. And then you got, you know, Aaron Rodgers, those kind of religion quotes. So that could be one thing about it. Alrighty, but uh, so it's religion. It's seeming like money is some of it that it's seeming like. So can't even get along with his own family, and he's definitely not getting along here with the organization. But uh, that's where we'll leave it with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure there'll be more news. We still don't even know if he's playing this season, so we've still got another kind of four months of information that's going to be pouring out of Aaron Rodgers is playing, retiring with the Packers, without the Packers. So we've got a lot of stuff to track, but that's where we are at currently with Aaron Rodgers, folks. Alrighty, let's move on to some basketball stories. Here we go. Zach Levine plans to play tomorrow. Fantastic. The Bulls definitely need him back. They've got like seven games left. Let's see where they're at currently in the playoff standing. Currently the 12th seed at 26 wins, and they are four games back from that 10th seed to try and grab a playoff positioning spot. Are you playing tournament spot? So definitely need to kind of run the gauntlet here these last seven games, win out their last seven games. So Zach Levine, hopefully you got the rest you needed. Hopefully you're all good to go. Uh, because this, you need to win. You need to start winning. You need to win now. You need to win out. And it's going to come down to Zach Levine and Vucevic. Can they get it done? Can they try to make a push here? It's going to be tough because not only are they battling their own record, they have to go out and beat the Wizards record, the Raptors record, and the Pacers record. So it's going to be real tough here for the Bulls. But Zach Levine is finally healthy now. Can they get it done? That's something that we'll have to keep in mind. And we'll definitely look at it a little bit more closely tomorrow when uh, their game is actually coming up. Alrighty, here we go. LeBron is expected to be out the next two games to rest his ankle. Um, kind of, you know, needing wins here, this Lakers team. They are now currently the sixth seed in the Western Conference, just barely out of that playing tournament. One full game ahead of the Blazers at number seven. So, you know, LeBron out these next two games, seven games left, need to start winning, securing this kind of firm playoff spot at number six, not seven, eight, nine, ten for that playing tournament. So, Lakers are going to be without LeBron for a couple of days here, which is, I mean, to be expected. I mean, we just read those quotes the other day on the show of, you know, him saying, oh, I came back a little bit too early. We knew he was going to be out for a couple of games, and here it is. Alrighty, and then we get a story here. I thought we were going to get some juicy details, but we, there's literally nothing in the story, so we could just talk about the headline here. Um, ESPN story on Pacers coach Nate Jorkingen. 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 Jorkjen, Nate Jorkjen's uncertain future amid turmoil within the locker room and the organization of the Pacers. There's literally no quotes about this turmoil within the locker room and the organization. There's nothing. So um, the Pacers are underwhelming. They've, they've won nothing. They're barely the ninth seed here in the Eastern Conference just because of how bad the Raptors, the Bulls, the Magic, the Cavs, and the Pistons have been this season. That's why they're the ninth seed. They're going to get overtaken by that by this Wizards team at the end of the, at the, end of the regular season. 
season. When it's all said and done, the final rankings, we just walked through the schedule yesterday on the show. The Wizards will be the ninth seed. This Pacers team is underwhelming every single game. I really hope they don't even make the playing tournament. I mean, folks, I mean, they're going to lose. I mean, there's no there's no fight that they put up to even try to get in the playing tournament. So we want to see the Raptors or the Bulls try to get in there. But really, their record, unfortunately, the Raptors and Bulls have been very, very lackluster as well this season. So... I'm sure Nate Jorgensen is going to be out next season here for the Pacers. I mean, there's really no reason not to move off of this, man. You're not getting it done with Sabonis and Karis LeVert. I mean, you've got two real solid pieces here offensively, and you're not even winning games. Like, you're not even in the top eight seeds here in the Eastern Conference. And the Eastern Conference is very, very lackluster compared to the Western Conference. So, uh, yeah, expect the head coach for the Pacers to be out next season. <laughs> Definitely. And another head coach that's probably going to be out as well. I mean, the Blazers are likely to move on from head coach Terry Stotts, uh, barring a miracle playoff run. But even a miracle playoff run, I mean, we've got to get rid of this, man. I mean, this, there's too much talent on that pay, on that Blazers team. I mean, you've got just the stars of McCollum and Nurchich and obviously Damian Lillard. You've got a great bench of Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony. You've got, you, you even just kind of brought in Norman Powell, and we're not calling him a superstar yet, but he's a very great scorer. So you've got nice offensive pieces in the offensive line, in the starting roster, the starting rotation, and off the bench. And you've got players that have great athleticism that you still haven't been able to kind of work into the game. Anthony Simons, he's a young emerging athletic superstar. Derek Jones Jr., an absolutely stud athletically. But we're seeing no great contributions by those young emerging athletic stars and it's kind of hindering this team's performance off the bench. There's no reason why Derek Jones Jr should not be getting at least 10 plus points off the bench or Anthony Simons to get 10 plus points off the bench every single night but we're seeing nothing close to that so yes yeah, definitely got to get rid of this man bring in somebody else <clears throat> to try and help this team out because it's not working we've been talking about this Blazers team the same way these last three years folks They've got great talent, but they're always underwhelming in the record. They are always underwhelming in their playoff series. And if it's not Damian Lillard going absolutely manic of a freaking um, clutch buzzer beater, just greatness closer, this team isn't even going to have a, a fraction of the wins that they have. It's all Damian Lillard getting it done, and they're way too great offensively at the pieces that they have to be this underwhelming. So, yes, Terry Stotts has to be fired this season. But then the other part of this kind of, you know, story is that, you know, Jason Kidd is linked among possible replacements. Why is everybody trusting Jason Kidd this much, this much as a head coach? I'm not really buying it. I'm not really seeing it. Um, we see we saw him as a head coach a couple of seasons, getting his first start with the Brooklyn Nets, and there was nothing great on this roster. I mean, you had you know Kevin Garnett at the back end of his career, Paul Pierce at the back end of his career, um, Darren Williams at the back end of his career. So you know their forty one or forty four and thirty eight record is pretty decent for that kind of you know you know great superstars that are really kind of aging out of the league, and they you know ended up losing in the second round of the playoffs. 
So not bad his first season. Then he goes to the Bucks and, you know, doesn't do anything year one. But he has Giannis. They go 41-41, and 41, lose the first round of the playoffs. Um, year two, still with Giannis. Still didn't really – oh, no, now they have Chris Middleton their second year in, his second year in. They still got Mason Plumlee, Jabari Parker, and once again, underwhelming record of 33-49. and 49. I mean, you're not winning with Giannis. And I know this is early Giannis, but um, they were kind of getting better every single season here, 27. 2016-2017 finishing 42 and 40 but losing the first round of the playoffs. Then they, you know, his last year in Milwaukee, 44 and 38 losing in the first round of the playoffs. So just doing nothing great here, you know, really kind of relying on, you know, Giannis and Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton and all that. So he has some nice pieces here but still couldn't really make it work. So I'm not really understanding. Now he's a uh, assistant coach for this Lakers team. I'm not buying all the hype around Jason Kidd, um, kind of, I think he's better than Steve Nash as a head coach. I think Steve Nash is also trash as a head coach, but I would put Jason Kidd above him. So we'll see what happens here. And I, I don't want to kind of discourage, you know, Jason Kidd from getting the job or anything. It's just I don't see it right now. Maybe, you know, he's still figuring it out and maybe he's learning learning a lot from this Lakers team, which there is a lot to learn about. I mean, you're learning from LeBron first and for, foremost. But then their head coach, uh, Frank Vogel, has absolutely gotten it done ever since he stepped foot in uh, the Lakers organization. Organization. So hopefully he's learning from um, Frank Vogel to try and bring what he learns to his next job. But uh, I don't know if Jason Kidd is the player to do it or the coach to do it. Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to cover for today. So let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down what happened last night in the, in the league in the NBA. <clears throat> Jeez. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action, and then we'll head over and start giving grades out of the draft for the AFC South teams, Titans, Colts, Texans, and Jags. But let's start here with the NBA. Uh, first game up last night, Suns and Cavs, and it goes into overtime. How crazy. Uh, without Darius Garland, goes into overtime, but but they're able to kind of blow them out in overtime. So luckily, the Suns th survive against the Cavs last night, 134-118. So let's start here with the Suns since they got the win. Chris Paul, you know what he does. 23.16 assists, six rebounds to go along with that, four steals to go along with all of that on 50% shooting. So an absolutely magnificent night by Chris Paul. We know what he does. Devin Booker led the, led the team in scoring like he does. 31 points, five assists, six rebounds. He shot one of six from, from uh, three as well, so not great there, but everything else fantastic. DeAndre Ayton at the 5, 15 points, 8 rebounds. Torrey Craig still at the 4, filling in for Jay Crowder, 9 points, 5 rebounds. He shot 40% from the field, so not terrible. And then McCall Bridges still at the 3, 22 points, 4 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks, 5 rebounds, 4 of 6 from 3. Starters all getting it done. Solid contribution by kind of a lot of these bench players. Frank Kaminsky in 16 minutes, 11 points, 6 rebounds. Cameron Payne, 6 points, 5 assists in only 17 minutes. Cameron Johnson didn't have the greatest night off the bench. Seven points on 30 minutes on 22% shooting and one of six from three. So not really great there, but uh, we get some nice contributions by Kaminsky and Payne. Dario Sarek put up seven points and five rebounds in only 12 minutes. So we'll take that, especially of how well the starters played. So well done for the Suns last night. The great team, and we have them kind of projected finishing number one in the Western Conference. Did they overtake it? Oh, yeah, they did. They did. So well done for the Suns last night, officially overtaking that number one seed in the Western Conference because they had the tiebreaker over the Jazz. So very well done for the Suns team getting the win. 
Alrighty, now let's go to the Cavs now. No Darius Garland, but Isaac Okuru steps up absolutely mammoth here. So let's talk about this team. Colin Sexton at the one, Isaac Okuru at the two, C.D. Eisman back in the starting lineup at the three. He had a great game. We'll talk about it. Kevin Love at the four, still Jared Allen still at the five. But let's talk about it here. Colin Sexton, 29 points, seven assists, seven rebounds. We know this man's fantastic. Isaac Okuru, though, here we go at the two. 32.6 assists on 3 of 4 from 3 and 62% from the field. Absolutely fantastic. Jared Allen, 17 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds. Great night. Kevin Love, 7 points on 20% shooting. Yikes, 11 rebounds he had, but 2 of 10 from the field. Got to be a little bit better than that. And then C.D. Osmond had a great game here. 16 points, 4 of 6 from 3. Yes, sir. Didn't shoot well from the field, but that 4 of 6 from 3 is absolutely fantastic. We'll take that. And then just nothing great off the bench. Their leading scorer off the bench was De uh, Damian Dotson, seven points. So got no real great production from their bench like they got from the Suns. And that's a huge reason why they won. So well done for the Suns last night getting the win. Alrighty, now the next game up, the Hornets and the Pistons, and the Hornets are back on top, baby, back winning games, and I absolutely love it. They win last night by three, 102-99, fantastic work here for the Hornets. They are still the number eight seed, but they're, you know, the eighth seed, and, you know, there is, you know, real advantage of being number seven or eight compared to nine and ten in this playing tournament, because if you're the seventh or eighth seed, you've got two chances to get into the playing tournament. Your first game is against the seventh seed. 7 and 8 play each other. Winners automatically in the playoffs. Loser faces the winner of the 9 and 10 seed. So you have two chances in the 8th and 7th seed to get into the playoffs. So fantastic here by this Hornets team continue, continuing to win once uh, you know everybody's kind of back. You know, LaMelo Ball's back. So fantastic. Um, alrighty, so let's talk about the Hornets now since they won. Terry Rozier at the 1, LaMelo Ball at the 2, Caleb Martin at the 3, Jalen McDaniels at the 4, and Bismick Biombo at the 5 is their rotation, is their starting rotation. <clears throat> so Terry Rozier, 18 points, 6 assists, a little lackluster scoring the ball, 2 of 9 from 3. LaMelo Ball led the team in scoring, 23 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 of 5 from 3, yes sir. Bismick Biombo at the 5, though, 2.6 rebounds. They really definitely need a better big. Cody Zeller, Bismick Biombo, yes, they're solid, not, you know, A1 tier 1 bigs out here. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, though, at the 4, 10 points, 12 rebounds. And Caleb Martin at the 3, 17 points, 2 assists, 2 steals, four, 5 rebounds, 2 of 8 from 3. So, decent night there by the starters. The mellow ball getting it done, but look at this bench, folks. Brad Wanamaker, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Yes, sir. Cody Zeller, 11 points, 8 rebounds. Malik Monk letting us down big time last night. Luckily, they still won, so, you know, we can kind of excuse his performance of 2 points on 0 of 8 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, trash shooting. Only scored because he got to the line twice, so luckily they didn't need Malik Monk. The mellow ball puts just enough on this game to get the win so fantastic for the Hornets Alrighty, now the Pistons now still no Jeremy Grant, so still very glad that this Hornets team did not lose last night. But let's see who stepped up big time. Hamadio Diallo, 35 points, 7 rebounds, 63% from the field. Absolutely fantastic. Saku Dumbaya, 
20 points, 8 rebounds. Sadiq Bey letting us down, 7 points on 16% shooting. Isaiah Stewart at the 5, 3.7 rebounds. Killian Hayes, he had the chance to tie up the game here with a 3 ball at the end of the game. Didn't hit it. He put up 4 points on 1 of 5 from 3, 16% from the field. So nothing great here from the starters. Jaleel Okafor, though, 12 points on 100% shooting on 5 shots. Definitely would like to see him kind of, you know, be the big name he was supposed to be in this league. And then Frank Jackson off the, also off the bench, 14 points, 4 assists. So nothing great there from uh, the Pistons all around. And uh, that's what the Pistons are, folks. Nothing great. So the Hornets get the win, 102-99. Alrighty, now the big game from last night, the Nets, the Bucks, round two. And did y'all see how great this Bucks team is just dominating this Nets team down low? I mean, absolutely fantastic here for the Bucks to beat the Nets another game, another time. Now, the Nets are still the number two seed, and the Bucks are still the number three seed here in the Eastern Conference. The Nets are still a game and a half above the Bucks at that third seed. So, you know, that two-game win back-to-back -back really didn't even help their playoff positioning that well unfortunate for the Bucks. so um yeah the Bucks down low just Giannis is just getting it done folks and the Nets don't have any answer DeAndre Jordan can't do it Blake Griffin definitely can't do it Nicholas Claxton only played five minutes what the hell are you doing Steve Nash what is that Nicholas Claxton should have been a huge huge piece in this game of trying to stop the beef down low but you play him five minutes and you play Blake Griffin 27 DeAndre Jordan 15 Come on, come on. That The beef down low was eating them all day. And, uh, you know, Steve Nash doesn't even try to do Nicholas Claxton down low to try and stop it. So disappointing there by Steve Nash. He's not a good head coach. He's got great players, folks. I don't want to hear that Steve Nash is a good head coach ever again. Kind of like, you know, um, who do we just talk about? Um, Jason Kidd. I mean, you know, he had Giannis for a couple of seasons. You know, he had Kevin Garnett and, you know, Paul Pierce. And we knew they were at the end of their career. But still, you know, superstar is still a superstar. So let's start here with the Bucks last night. Giannis, 36 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 4 of 12 from 3, which is totally hilarious because he was so on fire in the first quarter. I think he was like 3 of 4 from 3 in that first quarter and that gave him so much confidence for the rest of the game but Giannis you're still not a great three-point shooter four of 12 from last night so rein it in a little bit Giannis you're not this three-point you know guru you're not Steph Curry out here you should have just taken you know the three of four for the entire game and called it a day but he tries to extend it for the entire game and it did not work out for the entire game so um, but very well done for the 36 points. Absolutely. Drew Holiday, 23 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 4 of 6 from 3. Fantastic night by him. Chris Middleton steps it up as, as well. 23 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds on 50% shooting. Dante DiVincenzo, 10 points. He had 15 rebounds, so geez, 0 of 3 from 3, like we know of Dante DiVincenzo. And then Brooke Lopez, 8 points, 2 rebounds. So well done here by the big names here. Giannis, the clear number one. Drew Holiday, the two. Chris Middleton has the three. And Brooke Lopez, I mean, you know, he's great. And, you know, he can kind of be the number two scoring option if they needed him. They just didn't need him last night. So very well done to that. And then um, for the bench here of the Bucks, Brian Forbes, 14 points off the bench. That's 
that's what we're talking about. So very well done here for the Bucks, beating the Nets back-to-back, giving us some hope that this Nets team doesn't win the championship this season. It's not that we don't want the Nets to win the championship. It's just that we thought it was a little lame. I mean, everybody collectively agrees that it's lame that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden all teamed up because, you know, they want rings. You know, that's fine. We get it. But it's a little little lame in terms of competition. Just a little lame. All righty. Let's talk about the Nets now. Kyrie Irving had a great night, led the team in scoring 38 points, two blocks, three steals, five assists, three rebounds, six of 12 from three. Fantastic. But it doesn't translate to a win. Unfortunate. Did he, he didn't shoot this efficient, this great. Their first game, they lose. He shoots efficient, this great. This game, they still lose. So, Kyrie Irving, once again, cannot get it done. I don't know what y'all want from me. Kevin Durant got it done. 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 of 8 from 3, 50% from the field. Joe Harris, 12 points, 4 of 8 from 3, 2 rebounds. DeAndre Jordan, just the 2 points, 9 rebounds, a minus 8 on the floor. Jeff Green, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 of 3 from 3, but minus 18 on the floor. Kyrie Irving, minus 10 on the floor, not getting it done defensively. Um, all right, what else do we get here off the bench? Nothing great. Blake Griffin, nine points, two rebounds, two assists. He was a plus 13 on the floor, so decently getting it done off the bench defensively, I guess, against the Bucks bench, but we'll give him some credit there. Nicholas Claxton playing zero or five minutes is just disrespectful. Bruce Brown, two points in only 11 minutes. So Mike James, he's been kind of emerging uh, a little bit of a score here for the bench of the Nets, 10 points in nine minutes. So we'll take that. But you got to do something. You've got to try and figure out what lineup is going to beat the Bucks because if you face them in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs in a seven-game series, we just got kind of a mini sample of that. And they definitely need James Harden. Hopefully he can come back soon. But uh, the Nets lose again against the Bucks back-to-back games down the stretch of the season man gotta respect this Bucks team man truly and uh, maybe this is the year the Bucks get it done folks maybe this is finally the year that the Bucks will win and come out of the Eastern Conference because they've been trying folks they've truly been trying these last like five years and just always underwhelming in the playoffs but maybe this is the year folks they just beat the Nets twice back to back pretty gosh darn good Alrighty, now let's move on to the Mavericks and the Heat now. And the Mavericks get the win, 127-113 over the Heat. Not great for this Heat team. Still at that number six seed, half a game above the Celtics for that playing tournament spot at number seven. And the Mavericks, a win here. They're still, not, or they are number five now. Fantastic. They leapfrog the Lakers a little bit there at the fifth seed. So well done for this um Mavericks team and I think man oh man I think we can give Tim Hardaway Jr. maybe six man of the year what an absolute performance by him getting into the starting rotation and being the leading scorer being efficient getting it done so let's start here with this Mavericks team still no Porzingis and they're able to get the win with just Luka Doncic and Tim Hardaway Jr. so shout out to the Mavericks here so let's start here with the Mavericks here we go Tim Hardaway Jr. 36 points on 10 of 18 from three and 54 percent from the field on 24 shots fan Fantastic last night. Led the team in scoring. Luka Doncic, 23 points, 8 assists, 12 rebounds, getting it done, 5 of 12 from 3. Josh Richardson, 17 points, 3 of 5 from 3. Fantastic. Willie Colney-Stein filling in at the 5 here, only 2 points and 3 rebounds. 
But then Dorian Finney-Smith moving over to the four uh, for Tim Hardaway Jr. to play the three. But to Dorian Finney-Smith, 12 points, four assists, three rebounds. Really great tonight by all of these starters here for the Mavericks without Porzingis. What a night. And then off the bench, it didn't stop there. Uh, Jalen Brunson, 19 points. Yes, sir. That's fantastic. And they were able to get the win last night. So an absolute great game here for the Mavericks. And don't sleep on Tim Hardaway Jr., folks. A huge candidate here for six man of the year if we have to rank it right now honestly I think I put Tim Hardaway Jr. as, as the uh, as the sixth man of the year, folks. The way the only reason that Jordan Clarkson, it's because he's on a stacked team. That Jazz team, they're already great in the bench. I mean, he takes like 20 shots a night, folks. So of course he's going to be putting up 19 points a game. But Tim Hardaway Jr. here stepping it up big time in the starting rotation. Gotta love it. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Heat. Now, no Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, so a little unfortunate there. Andre Iguodala has to step up in the starting lineup, and we know he's not that great of a starter. He's great off the bench, absolutely, but uh, not really the starter, really aging out of this league, not even that really kind of an offensive threat either, um, even when he's you know fully in his prime, you know what I mean? Great defender, don't get us wrong, but uh, definitely needed some offense here, and that's something that he did not provide. So let's talk about it here. Uh, Kendrick Nunn at the 1, 14 points, 3 assists. And I'm a little upset that Goran Dragic came off the bench. He wasn't in the starting lineup. But I guess I get it. You know, they don't really have anything great off the bench, especially without Tyler Hero. You've got nothing great off the bench. So I guess I get it. Uh, but maybe I'd put uh, Kendrick Nunn off the bench. Maybe Duncan Robinson off the bench. But we digress a little bit. So here we go. Kendrick Nunn, 14 points, 3 assists, but 2 of 7 from the 3, 31% on 16 shots. Not the greatest. Duncan Robinson had a good game. He actually led the team in scoring with 19 points, along with Warren Dragic, also 19 points. But well done for Duncan Robinson. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 of 11 from 3, just solid Bam Adebayo really kind of expected him to have a little bit of a bigger offensive role here, only putting up 11 points. He had 11 assists and 9 rebounds, which is good, but just 11 points for the man. Trevor Ariza steps up big time here, 18 points, 4 rebounds, 4 of 7 from 3, yes sir. But then we get Andre Iguodala at the 3, 0 points on only 2 shots, just not getting it done. And then off the bench, they had some nice performances. Goran Dragic, the 19 points, the 5 rebounds, the 3 assists. Gabe Vincent in only 12 minutes, 14 points. So not bad there. Just unfortunately missing Jimmy Butler, missing that kind of other starting offensive score. And that's why they lose by 14. Alrighty, next game up is the Warriors and the Pelicans, and they are in the back-to-back, -back and the Pelicans are able to beat the Warriors this time. Fantastic. Lonzo Ball had a magnificent game, so we can start here with the Pelicans. Lonzo Ball, 33 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, 7 of 13 from 3. Fantastic night. You know, we get these nights every so often here with Lonzo Ball. He just did it last night at an absolutely crucial time because we know this Pelicans team is really in a do-or-die scenario here. They really need to win out to try and get in that playoff spot. They're two games officially out from that 10th seed to kind of take the Spurs out and the Pelicans get in. So definitely would like to see this Pelicans team in the playing tournament over the Spurs. I don't think they'll either. I don't think any of these teams will do anything when they get to the playoffs, and I don't even think they'll win the playing tournament, obviously or either 
Um, you know, they have to either face the Warriors or the Grizzlies to get into the playoffs and or the Blazers or the Warriors to get in the playoffs. And I don't know if they can do that. I don't know if they can kind of win that one game when it matters. So, um, but they would make an interest, a more interesting story, in my opinion, than that Spurs team. That's really just kind of meh overall. We have Greg Popovich and, you know, DeMar DeRozan. That's cool. But, you know, I get Zion. I get Zion. I'm taking Zion. <laughs> All right, so great night, or yeah, great win for the Pelicans last night to keep up pace in that playing tournament. Eric Bledsoe, 14 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Steven Adams did play last night. We knew he was a game-time decision. 1.8 rebounds. Zion, really lackluster night compared to what he's been doing all season. 23 points, but on 47% shooting. Come on, Zion, we're 50 or better. Come on. <laughs> but he had 12 rebounds in 7 assists and 4 steals to go along with that. So fantastic. Brandon Ingram, a little lackluster here. 13 points on 33% shooting, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. And then off the bench, some real actually nice performances out here. Jackson Hayes, 8.9 rebounds playing 23 minutes. I freaking love it. Najee Marshall, 10.7 rebounds off the bench. And let's also shout out James Johnson, 6.5 rebounds, 2 assists off the bench. So great night here by the Pelicans. Lonzo getting it done. Zion still having great production. Great bench. And then the Warriors, just Curry goes crazy. Andrew Wiggins goes crazy. And everybody else is just mediocre. Like we know, still no Kelly Oubre Jr. Not even coming off the bench. Didn't even play last night. Um, and they were competitive. You know, we know Kelly Oubre Jr. doesn't bring that much to this team, in our opinion. But Steph Curry, 37 points, 9 rebounds, 8 of 20 from 3. Jeez Louise. Uh, Kent Bazemore still at the 2. Didn't have a great night. 5 points on 20% shooting. Kavon Looney at the 5, 8.6 rebounds. Draymond Green, 7 points, 9 assists, 12 rebounds. We The classic Draymond Green game. And then Andrew Wiggins steps it up big time here. 26 points, 6 rebounds, 5 of 10 from 3. Yes, sir. And then nothing great off the bench because nothing great off the bench. They've got no great bench pieces. We know this. Michael Mulder put up 8 points, 4 rebounds. Jordan Poole put up 9 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Just nothing great there. There, and they're able to lose the game because of that. So they lose by 5, 108-103. Alrighty, the Kings and the Thunder in another Kings win without De'Aaron Fox. What the hell is going on? So let's quickly run through this Kings team. Just kind of everybody getting some nice production here. For the starters, DeLon right at the 1, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Well done. Buddy Heald, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 of 13 from the 3. Raquan Holmes, 13.7 rebounds. Marvin Bagley, 13.7 rebounds. Maurice Harkless, 11 points, 4 rebounds. So really all the starters getting it done. And then off the bench, Terrence Davis, 18 points, 5 rebounds. Justin James, 13 points. So well done for the Kings. But the big story is that they're winning games without De'Aaron Fox. And I truly don't understand that. But uh, they're on a three-game winning streak. Really going to be tough for them to get into the playing tournament. Four, nope, three and a half games back from that 10th seed. So maybe, maybe the Kings can do it. I don't think so. But if De'Aaron Fox continues to be out, maybe. All right, now the Thunder team. Now Dort did play, but we know Shea Gills Alexander didn't play. Puko Zvetsky also didn't play, so unfortunate for him. But um, anything great here, the leading scorer was Darius Baisley with 24 points. And then the second leading scorer was Lugans Dort with 10 points. I mean, this man's not a good shooter. I know he's kind of, you know, a little kind of big, a little big in the media of being kind of a newer player. But, man, oh, man, really streaky shooting by Lugans Dort, man. I don't know. Um, he had 10 points on uh, 20% or 18% shooting on 16 shots. So nothing great here from the Thunder. And, you know, that's what we know. 
All right, last game of the night, the Clippers and the Raptors. We had this in our moneymaker, Raptors plus 9.5. We knew they would keep it close, and that's what they did. Unfortunately, couldn't get the win. So let's start here with the Clippers. Paul George at the 2, Kawhi Leonard at the 3. I love that Reggie Jackson was still the starting point guard, even though Patrick Beverly was back. Patrick Beverly coming off the bench, I think, is better. Um, Reggie Jackson has great contribution in the starting lineup, has great offensive contribution in the starting lineup, where Patrick Beverly never gave us great offensive contribution. So him coming off the bench, more his speed, because we see his kind of uh, bench production is still the same as his kind of starting production, and Reggie Jackson's better in the starting lineup. So love that by the Clippers last night. Fantastic. So Reggie Jackson at the one, 18 points, four of nine from three, five assists, five rebounds. Paul George at the two, 22 points, nine rebounds, four assists. Zubak still at the five, eight points, eight rebounds. Marcus Morris at the four, 22 points, six rebounds, four of five from three. Well done. He shot 72% from the field. Fantastic. And then Kawhi Leonard, only 13 points, five assists, three rebounds, but they're able to get it done. Off the bench, anything great? Patrick Beverly off the bench, 8 points, 3 assists on only 5 shots. DeMarcus Cousins, 7 points, 6 rebounds on 4 shots. And Nicholas Batum, 7 points on 6 shots. So not taking a lot of shots, but getting some nice production there off the bench. Uh, able to kind of win for the Clippers. And then for the Raptors last night, no for, uh, no Kyle Lowry. So it's just Fred Van Vliet at the 1. Utah Watanabe at the 2. Unfortunately, didn't have a great night. Siakam at the four, Kem Birch still at the five, and Stanley Johnson at the three. At the three, so Fred VanVleet, twenty-seven points, thirteen assists, five of fourteen from three, a little all right there. Utah Watanabe only six points, six rebounds on six shots. Kem Birch, thirteen points, eight rebounds. Pascal Siakam, twenty-four points on twenty-four shots, seven rebounds, two assists, three steals, and then Stanley Johnson at the three, five points on two of seven from the field. Anything great off the bench here? Jalen Harris. 11 points off the bench, and that was really it. So, Malachi Flynn didn't give us anything great. One point on three shots. Uh, you missed out of the shots, just got to the line twice and still split the free throw. So, unfortunate loss here by the Raptors, but well done to keep it close, I guess. But, you know, when we're talking about this Raptors team at the back end here, they need to start winning games to get in that playing tournament. Uh, still three and a half games back now it's really almost it's almost wrapped up here in the east and you know we went through the the remaining schedule walking through that and we really didn't we still had the wizards and the pacers being in the top uh top 10 there so raptors huge work ahead of them in a big loss last night that's really kind of ending their season a little bit Alrighty, but that was all the nba from last night Let's get our moneymaker going here for tonight's action. Let's see if there's anything great, any great value, any great games on tonight. So let's go through it. Here we go. Uh, games up tonight. We got the Celtics and the Magic. The Blazers and the Cavs, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, the Wizards and the Bucks. Ooh, Wizards, Bucks. Ooh, that's going to be a great one. Suns, Hawks, Kings, Pacers, 76ers, Rockets, Knicks, Nuggets, Spurs, Jazz. All righty. Some good games on. Knicks, Nuggets is going to be great. Wizards, Bucks is going to be great. Suns, Hawks should be great. Unfortunately, no nationally televised games. So, going to have to get on the League Pass or NBA TV if you got that. Alrighty, but let's go to our moneymaker. Unfortunately, we went 1-1 one one last night. We took the Nets plus 2. Shame on us. We don't really take back-to-back -back series and it bit us in the butt this time. And then we hit on um, Raptors plus 9.5. We knew they'd keep it close.
Alrighty, let's see what we've got on for tonight's action. Here we go. First game up, Celtics Magic. Celtics minus 11, Magic plus 11. Alrighty, for the Celtics, Tristan Thompson's a game time decision, and Jalen Brown is still out. Not great there. For the Magic, Terrence Ross is out, James Ennis is out, Otto Porter out, Michael Carter-Williams out. So, uh, I'm going to stay away from this one. Just the Celtics, we know their offense is a little iffy. Uh, Evan Fournier, is he going to have a good game or not? Probably not. We just saw one good one, which means five bad ones are on the way down the pike. So, Celtics without Jalen Brown, offense is going to be a little lackluster. 11 points is way too much to swallow there, so we'll stay away from it. Blazers, Cavs, Blazers minus 12, Cavs plus 12. For the Blazers, Damian Lillard is a game-time decision. Norman Powell, a game-time decision. For the Cavs, Larry Nance is out. Teron Prince is out. Matthew Delvadova is out. Isaiah Hartenstein is out. Darius Garland is still out. And Lamar Stevenson is out. So this uh, Cavs team, we know they're not that great offensively, but they've been keeping it close these last couple of games, especially last night against the Suns going into overtime. So we're going to have to stay away from this spread as well. Just a little bit too big here, especially if Damian Lillard doesn't play this minus 12. They shouldn't have any trouble still winning without Damian Lillard, but I'm not going to swallow those 12 points there, so we'll stay away from it. Next game up, and I think this is tremendous value right here, folks. I think this is great if everybody's going to go. Suns, Hawks. Suns minus one, Hawks plus one, and I'm loving the Suns minus one if everybody's going to go. Jay Crowder's just out for the Suns. Fantastic. And then just for the Hawks, Cam Reddish is out. Yes, the Suns team is in a back-to-back, -back, and yes, they went into overtime, so that's never anything great. I get it. But this Hawks team is not ready to compete with the upper echelon, the top elite teams in this league, the 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks. The Suns, the Jazz, they're, they cannot compete with these teams yet. Yes, they're kind of good. They are above average, this Hawks team. Don't get us wrong, but we're talking about this Suns team that's great from top to bottom. Starters, bench. The Hawks don't have the greatest bench. Lou Williams doesn't give us that great a production that we were kind of hoping that he would give us. Really kind of have to rely on Daniil Gallinari for all their bench points. So only have to swallow one here. Basically just picking the winner. We'll take the Suns tonight trying to keep their first seed in the Western Conference. Alrighty, next game up is the 76ers and the Rockets. 76ers minus 13, Rockets plus 13. Alrighty, a little bit of a too big of a spread here for us, so probably not going to take this, but uh, for the 76ers, Furkin Korkmaz is out. And then for the Rockets, Eric Gordon out, John Wall out, Dine, Daniel House Jr. is a game-time decision. Sterling Brown is out. DJ Wilson's out. David Waba is out. So, like we said, just a little bit too big of a spread here to take. The 76ers should have no trouble winning. But if Ke is Kevin Porter going to have a 50-point game that, you know, they have a little bit of a backdoor cover? Probably not. But we'll stay away from it. Not really any great value here. Alrighty, now next game up, Wizards Bucks. Wizards plus three and a half, Bucks minus three and a half. I was whoa, I was hoping for a little bit more points here for the Wizards, like five or six. Probably would have sealed sealed the deal for us to take that. Uh, but for the Wizards, everybody's good to go. Just the usual suspects out. You know, uh, Danny Avidaje, just because he's out for the rest of the season. And then for the Bucks, just Jeff Teague is a game time decision. He was a game time decision last night. Did he end up playing last night? Let's quickly take a look at that. Probably not. I don't think he did, actually. Um, he did not. So he probably plays tonight. The one thing that I really like about the Wizards plus three and a half here, obviously, is that they still need to kind of win and secure their own spot here at the 10th seed. Um, you know, still a big lead over the Raptors, two and a half, or no, three and a half games ahead of them. 
but still need to kind of win games to secure that spot. Uh, but the the Bucks are just were we're just in like a slugfest back to back games against that Nets team. So we are gonna take the Wizards here plus three and a half. We think we get great value because the Bucks are kind of maybe you know letting their guard down just a little bit, not totally 100, percent but. The Bucks just coming off that net series. This Wizards team knowing they kind of need to win uh, to kind of secure their kind of playing tournament spot. Plus, we get them plus three and a half. We'll take those points. Wizards, Russell Westbrook gets it done. Um, hopefully, the Wizards can try and do something to kind of guard the beef down low. But I think we're going to kind of take a little bit of a risk here, a little bit of a leap of faith, and take the Wizards plus three and a half tonight. Alrighty, and then this one, folks, 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 yes, sir, you know where the value is, Grizzlies minus three, Timberwolves plus three, yes, sir, we're taking those Timberwolves plus three all day, uh, for the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson is out, for the Timberwolves, Malik Beasley is still out, but I get three points, y'all know how much we love this Timberwolves team, do not be sleeping on them, absolutely not, we love them, we'll take them, Carl Anthony Towns, does D'Angelo Russell finally get in the starting rotation? Probably not, probably not, but it doesn't matter. He's still going to play meaningful minutes. He's still going to get it done. Points, assisting, rebounding, handling that second team. So, yes, sir. Timberwolves plus three. Y'all know Timberwolves play. We can make money easily. Our cash cow, when we are milking it, folks. The plus three. Milk it, milk it, milk it. Alrighty, next game up, Kings-Pacers. Oh my goodness, can we get a more boring game than Kings-Pacers? Alrighty, Kings plus 6.5, Pacers minus 6.5 for the Kings. Harrison Barnes, a game-time decision. De'Aaron Fox is a game-time decision. Is he finally back after COVID-19 protocols? For the Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon, game-time decision. Miles Turner still out. Edmund Sumner, game-time decision. Goga Badazi is a game-time decision. So, two bad teams. We know this Kings team is trying to get in the playing tournament. The Pacers are trying to stay in the playing tournament. We're going to stay away from this one. Kings plus 6.5 is a little appealing if De'Aaron Fox is not playing because for some reason they win without him. I don't get it. Alrighty, next game up, Knicks, Nuggets, Knicks plus four, Nuggets minus four. For the Knicks, Nerlens Noel is a game-time decision, and Mitchell Robinson is out. And then for the Nuggets, oh my goodness, uh, Will Barton is out, Monte Morris is out, Jokic is a game-time decision, interesting there, P.J. Dozier is out. Alrighty, so a little interesting there. This Knicks team, they keep the games close, folks. They never get blown out, even against the best teams in the league. That's what's giving us so much confidence in this Knicks team. That's why we have them kind of high on our power rankings. Got them number four. We believe in them, and we're going to take the points here. They may not win, but they will keep it close. They will not get blown out. And maybe with all these kind of outs and game time decisions, maybe this Knicks bench can get it done and put up the points necessary to win the game. Maybe. So we'll take this Knicks team plus four. Uh, plus four. Going to be a great one to watch. We'll see if the Nugget, Nuggets can continue to win and blow off their kind of last loss there. We know this Nuggets team, they get their loss without Jamal Murray, but then they rally off a couple of wins. So we'll see if they kind of follow that same formula tonight. But we'll take the points here with the next day. We'll keep it close. And then the last game of the night, the Jazz and the Spurs. Spurs plus 6.5, Jazz minus 6.5. Out for the Spurs. Derek White is out. Trey Lyles is out. 
And then for the Jazz, just Donovan Mitchell and Mike Connolly still out. So we'll stay away from this one. Jazz shouldn't have any trouble winning the game, but we know the Spurs, especially, you know, now that they kind of need to kind of still continue to win to keep their place in the playing tournament. So this is what we have on our moneymaker tonight. Suns minus one, Wizards plus three and a half, T-Wolves plus three, and the Knicks plus four tonight. Alrighty, let's head over and start grading some NFL drafts. We are kind of taking it division by division. We did the AFC East, the AFC North, and now today we are doing the AFC South, grading the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars draft performances. We just gave out an A-plus to the Jets. We gave out an A to the Steelers. So we'll see if any team here in the AFC South can earn that coveted A grade, that A mark, A-plus. A++. Will anybody ever get an A++? Probably not, but we'll see. So here we go. Let's start here with the Titans here in the AFC South. So the Titans, we know they're kind of focusing heavy on the defense of kind of what we've been seeing um, in free agency. So their first round pick is Caleb Farley, fantastic cornerback there, shoring up their defense. Then in the second round, they get Dylan uh, Radunes, an offensive tackle, shoring up their game because this is what we've been saying about this Titans team. They are kind of, you know, not relying on Ryan Tannehill this season. They got rid of one of their big wide receivers. They're focusing up on their line. They're shoring up their defense. And they're letting Derrick Henry and the defense just kind of carry this team and just have Ryan Tannehill be that game manager, not really relying on him too much. So first pick, they go Caleb Fairley corner. Second pick, they get the tackle, shore up the line. And then they get Monty Rice linebacker in the third round. Then they get Elijah Molden, another cornerback in the third round. So really just shoring up their defense with a great defensive talent. And then look at this. I love this, man. Late round wide receivers. If there's no real great wide receivers to go, you always get size. And that's what the Titans did. And I respect this Titans team so much. In the fourth round, they get Daz Fitzpatrick, 6-2 wide receiver. That tall wide receiver that they're missing from Corey Davis that they just traded away. Or was it A.J. Brown? They they traded one of the one of those two wide receivers away. Do I have their depth? I uh, did. Do I have their depth chart up? Oh, I do. I'm tripping. Here we go. Uh, they got rid of Corey Davis. Yeah, AJ Brown is still there. So another tall wide receiver here. Fantastic. Six two. And then they didn't stop there in the sixth round. They get another wide receiver, and this man's even taller. Six three. So yes, sir. Absolutely. A home run here. Then they also kind of get another defensive end in the fourth round. Rashawn Weaver shoring up their pass rush now that they know they lost Jadavion Clowney. They don't have him anymore. So shore up the defensive end in the fourth round. And then in the sixth round with their last pick, they get another safety. So just beefing up that defense. Fantastic. Really have everything offensively that they want because they're just going to focus on the running game. That's clear with their second round pick of the offensive tackle. So an absolutely great draft here. For the tight Tennessee Titans, and I'm gonna give them a ah, man. I'm gonna give them an A minus. Those late round wide receivers being six two six three. I mean, that's absolutely fantastic, folks. Go out and get the height. I truly think that teams and organization and scouts really kind of underplay height in this league. I am taking that one on one matchup. If I have a guaranteed kind of six three wide receiver against a six six foot corner, I'm taking that one on one fall. One-on-one -on -one shot, that 50-50 ball every single time. So, love what the Titans are doing here. 
shored up their defense, shored up their line to kind of match what they want to do this year coming up. Heavy on the defense, shut you down. We're just going to run out the clock, run up the ball, run up your throw, score a field goal, touchdown, and then shut it down defensively and then eat up another seven, eight minutes on the clock, shut it down defensively, eat up another seven, eight minutes on the clock because we've seen these last two seasons, Derrick Henry able to kind of take this heavy workload and still able to get great production. So we give this Titans draft an A-. minus. Fantastic. They picked up two huge pieces, Elijah Molden, Caleb Farley, great defensive players, and we'll see if they can get it done this season year one. But A- minus for the Titans. Well done. Alrighty, next up is the Colts. Alrighty. First round, uh, 21st pick, they get Quiddy Pay, defensive edge rusher. And they kind of did what the Bills also did. And another team, uh, who was it that took two defensive ends, one and two? But they do it here as well. The Colts, Quiddy Pay, number one, defensive end rusher. Second round pick, Dio Adeyingobo. <laughs> Adeyingbo, Adeyingbo, Deo Adeyingbo, uh, defensive end in the second round as well. So shoring up that defensive end um, in the fourth round, they get Kylan Granson, tight end. Fifth round, they get Sean Davis, safety. Sixth round, they get Sam Ellinger, quarterback. You know, there's no quarterback competition here. We know it's Carson Wentz. Just kind of, you know, always having trusting number two. They got rid of Jacoby Brissett as well, so they just need that number two. We're not worried about him there. Seventh round pick, they get Mike Strachan, wide receiver. How tall is this man? They already got great wide receivers. Uh, but say, oh my god, 6'5". Oh, now that's what we're talking about. Tall wide receivers. 6'5". Jeez Louise. Oh my goodness. And then Will Fries in the seventh round as well, uh, shoring up their line uh, offensive tackle. So, Overall, this kind of a Colts team didn't need anything too specifically. I kind of would have liked if they shore up their offensive line a little bit. I'm not sure the strategy of taking two defensive ends in the first round. I'm not loving it. Uh, but like we said, I mean, they didn't really need anything. They've got the pieces at the quarterback position. Absolutely. Carson Wentz running back. They got freaking they are in an abundance of running backs of Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines. We love all three of them. T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman Jr. Really kind of coming alive. So they've got the number two, one and two wide receivers. How tall is this Paris Campbell guy? I don't think he got that much burn yet. You know, just six foot, you know, didn't really do anything last season. So we'll see if he can kind of be the number three, but they got the number six, five. They got a six, five wide receiver. Let's see if he can kind of come in and emerge, but I've got no problem with T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman Jr. You can rely on those two wide receivers to get it done. Then you got Jack Doyle at the tight end position. Defensively, you got Xavier Rose as a corner, Julian Blackman over the top with the safety, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, um, Bobby Okariki is pretty solid as well. So really just kind of wish they may have shored up their line a little bit with maybe the first or second round pick. Going back-to-back -back defensive ends, not, a, not totally loving it. And then getting another tight end here at number four, only 6'2". What is that about? Come on. So not the best draft here, but they didn't really need anything big, but I am going to give it a C plus. Didn't really love the Colts draft 100% here. Alrighty, let's move on to the next team here, and that's the Houston Texans, and man, oh man, look at this garbage draft, folks. Look at this absolutely garbage draft here. They didn't have the first round pick because the Dolphins fleeced them. They didn't have the second round pick because I think, again, the Dolphins fleeced them for that pick as well. So they have two third round picks. Their first 
third round pick, their first draft that they did this year. Guess who it is, folks? Davis Mills, quarterback from Stanford. First of all, we looked at him and we didn't like him. We looked at we liked their wide receivers even more than the quarterback. But why take Davis Mills when you only you didn't have the first round pick? You didn't have a second round pick. This is your first pick, a quarterback. I know that you're a little iffy if Deshaun Watson's gonna play, but you've got Tyrod Taylor as the backup. So why are you wasting a draft pick on Davis Mills, who's probably not going to pan out as a good quarterback in this league when you have Tyrod Taylor? What is that? You're just wasting a pick here. And then your second pick, you go wide receiver Nico Collins. I get that he's 6'4". That's fantastic. We love that. But once again, you kind of have decent Wide receiver depth of Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Kiki Cutie. What are we doing out here? You, you're wasting picks and you didn't even have a first or second round. And now we're in the third round and you're wasting picks. You don't have picks to waste. You barely have any picks here. And then the fifth round pick, you get a tight end. A tight end. What is that? I know, uh, what did Jordan Akins do last season? Anything good? 400 yards, but... There's better things to do. You've got decent weapons offensively, and you went and used your first three picks in the third and fifth round of a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a tight end. And then to finish out the draft, you get a linebacker at number five, Garrett Wallow, and then Roy Lopez, a defensive tackle. But, I mean, man, oh, man, could we talk about the offensive line? Could that be good going? I mean, you got David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. Let's show up that line a little bit more. Um, your defense, what do we got? Well, who are your corners? Terrence Mitchell, what did he do last season? Three forced fumbles, no interceptions, 13 pass defenses. That's not bad. I'll give you the 13 pass defenses. Bradley Roby, he suspended. No forced fumbles, one interception, seven pass defenses. Nothing great there by that man. Your safeties, Eric Murray. One forced fumble, no interceptions, two pass defenses, absolutely trash. Justin Reed, what did he got going on? No forced fumbles, 66 tackles, 62 solo tackles, tied 61st, four pass defenses, nothing great. So shore up your defense, do something. You got Whitney Merciless, all righty, that's good. That's it. Malik Collins, pretty solid at the nose tackle position, but just shore up something defensively, and they didn't even do that. So an absolute garbage draft here by the Texans. Obviously, it wasn't all freaking, um, what's his name? Um, Brian, isn't his first name Brian? Who was their head coach of the season that got fired? I'm blanking on the name. He's absolutely trash. He's he's so trash, we can't even remember his name. Um why is it? Why is Brian? I don't think it's Brian, but whatever. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Absolutely trash. It's not all him just being a trash organization. They're still trash, and I am giving this draft grade an F, folks. This is an F draft grade. Davis Mills, when you got Tyrod Taylor, Nico Collins, wide receiver, and you've already got three great wide receivers already. Kiki QT fumbles, so I understand it, but you still got two other great ones. What the hell? And then you go tight end, shore up that defense, shore up your line a little bit for the running game. Didn't have two first-round picks either, and that's how they decided to spend their first two picks, quarterback and wide receiver. Absolutely funny. And they had a, they had wide receivers all last season as well, so they had their depth of who they wanted to keep and who they wanted to leave, and now they're drafting them. So F grade here. Our first F given out. This is an absolute garbage draft here. Garbage. 
Alrighty, now let's finish off here the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alrighty, well, they had the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. That's a home run hitter. That's going to be great. But then a little bit of a surprise pick here. Also in the first round, they had two first round picks. Travis Etienne at number 25, a running back. And we like Travis Etienne. He's going to be great. It's just kind of funny on how it came. Um, you know, the Steelers picking up 24, they go Najee Harris. So I would have been interested to see if uh, if Najee Harris and Travis, Travis Etienne were both on the board. A, if the Jaguars go get him or maybe try to get him in that second round pick. Or B, which one do they choose head up, straight up, if they have the option of Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. So a little bit interesting here. I think the Jaguars saw one big running back go off the board and were like, all right, we can't wait because the Bills may get them. So um, I respect Urban Meyer for kind of getting the talent when you can. Travis Etienne, so I love that. Two Clemson back-to-back. -back, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne knowing each other. Then in the second round, they get Tyson Campbell. Great cornerback. And then they go and fit up. Uh, they go out and trade Minnesota there in the second round to get that offensive tackle. So they got elite talent here, elite quarter quarterback, elite running back, elite cornerback, elite offensive tackle, all with their first four picks. And then they go heavy on the defense again for the rest of the draft. Third round pick, safety. Fourth round pick, defensive tackle. Fourth round pick, defensive end. Fifth round pick, they go tight end. How tall is this man? Six six. Oh, I love it. And then they go another wide receiver. Six two. Jalen Camp in the sixth round as well. So when we look at their kind of roster, they've got the nice wide receivers already. James Robinson was a thousand yard rusher, so a little interesting that they went with Travis Etienne. But hey, at the end of the day, let's get some proven talent. And Travis Etienne was definitely proven talent in the uh, college program. So we'll see if he's able to keep it up here in the league. Um, for their offensive line, they did shore that up as well in the second round, so we've got no qualms there. Their defense of Josh Allen at the defensive end, Miles Jack. Um, what do they got as their backfield? Shaquille Griffin, a cornerback. So did we say they they also shored up their safe or their corners, right? Yeah, we, we got one right here, Tyson Campbell. So I think this is an absolutely great draft here. You got the quarterback, the running back, the corner, uh, the offensive tackle with your fourth, first four picks, and they're all kind of top picks in this league. I mean, first pick, first round pick, first pick, first round pick, pick number 25, second round pick, first pick, second round pick, 13 picks. So, I mean, it's just great talent here that they were able to secure, and I think it's an absolute great draft. Do we give it a... I think I give this an A minus as well, folks. You got the quarterback, you got the offensive lineman to protect the quarterback, you got the running back to help out the quarterback, and you got the uh, cornerback to help out the defense and shore that up a little bit. So I'm all about this draft, and I think I'm gonna give it an A minus as well, uh, like we gave the Titans. A great draft here. So to recap, we got the Titans A minus, Colts C plus, Houston an F, big ol' F, and a Jacksonville Jaguars an A minus. Alrighty, that's going to do it for us today. We're back tomorrow where we will finish up the AFC uh, grades with the AFC West. Uh, so we'll finish that up, do all our other normal things here. Nothing breaking as we were live, it's looking like, so that's great. So we'll be back tomorrow, folks, doing it all again. We're here every day, noon Eastern, twitch.tv slash takes by fans. The show is takes by fans, folks. You can find us anywhere. Alrighty, folks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.